Hey there, everyone. This is Dave DeBow with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, it is my pleasure to be interviewing a fellow raising capital fanatic, Mr. Hunter Thompson. I believe you're calling in all the way from Los Angeles, California. Is that correct, Hunter? Yeah, that's right. Thanks again for having me on. My pleasure. So if you aren't familiar with Hunter, he is a professional real estate entrepreneur. He's been doing a lot with raising capital over the years. He's raised well over, I believe it's over $30 million in private capital for his deals, primarily commercial deals, if I'm not mistaken, Hunter. And he's also an author. He's wrote the book, Raising Capital for Real Estate, How to Attract Investors, Establish Credibility, and Fund Deals. I love the title of that book. That's fantastic. He also runs a podcast and does all sorts of great things. So great to have you on the call here today, Hunter. And let's get things started off with the first question. How did you get into this whole crazy world of real estate investing in the first place? Yeah, you know, this is something that I really enjoy talking about because I think it's counterintuitive. I think a lot of people, when they tell their story about real estate, it starts with 2008. The same is true for me, but it was kind of like the inverse of that. I was really insulated from what happened in 2008 because I was still in college. And so when 2008 happened, I had been studying economics. I was very interested in the financial sector. So I saw it as a massive opportunity. I really didn't get wiped out. It was like, okay, blood is in the streets. You know, now is a good time to focus on this asset class, just financial markets in general. And so I started studying the stock market, reading Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, et cetera, started investing in stocks, value-based investing, started to see success there as most investors did if they started in 2008. And it really wasn't until 2010 that I kind of had my last straw moment. This is something that I don't hear people talk about, but for me, it was my very, very clear moment in my background, which was the impact that the European debt crisis had on the US markets. You know, I had been obsessing over the capital markets. I had been reading everything that was available to me, spending hundreds of hours, if not thousands of hours, learning, investing, learning, investing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, everyone on CNBC is talking about the Greece bond yields and how if the Greece bond yields go above 7%, the S&P 500 is going to collapse. And if it went below 7%, the S&P 500 was going to be fine. And this was happening every single day. It was calling interday swings of the Dow Jones of 600 points, 700 points. And I just remember thinking, what am I doing? I spent all this time researching and I never read anything about something as obscure and unmitigatable and unpredictable as the Greece bond yields. I've got to find something that's simplistic enough that I can actually conduct due diligence and mitigate some of those risks that quickly led me to real estate. Yeah. So it's all about gaining a little bit of control over your investment, right? Instead of being just held in the, in, in the wind there by the, yeah, it's, it's a good point. I mean, I don't understand the markets anywhere near as well as you do, but yeah, just that idea of something that far away in a country that small affecting the rest of the world so much, it's mind boggling. So, okay. Exactly. So, that, so you decided, okay, real estate's what I want to do. How'd you get started? What'd you get started in? Well, I was very fortunate in terms of the timing, right? Not only in terms of where the market was, which is obviously, you know, historically significant, but I also moved to California, not necessarily related to real estate, just I felt that's where the opportunity was. And California in particular had been decimated. So what happened was there was two things. The valuations were low, yes. But also when I started going out to networking events, trying to build my relationships, I was able to network with some very high caliber people very quickly because they're, they were the ones that were able to overcome this. They were the ones that were able to keep their shirt during this massive collapse. And so the foundation of my perspective on investing was forged 
through those individuals that I later would come to find out were some very influential investors. And I was introduced to the world of syndications very, very quickly. That's not typically how most people get into real estate. Typically, it's, you know, I bought a $30,000 house. I bought a $50,000 house that rented for $500 a month. And then maybe you work your way up to commercial if you're interested in pursuing that professionally. For me, I was introduced into the world of passive investing through syndications very, very quickly on. And once I understood the vehicle, you know, from my perspective, I was thinking, okay, the return profile is somewhat similar. I get to be diversified across multiple different asset classes across the country, and I get to depend on someone else's time, energy, and expertise. I'm going to do this a lot. And that's really how I built my business. Now, back then, the word syndications, that was not a very common term. That was something that was typically where only people that were in like high net worth circles use that terminology. Mm-hmm. Now, because of the popularity of crowdfunding in particular, that's become a very in-trend vehicle. And you know, I wouldn't say that I created that or anything like that, but I definitely was the benefactor of that rise in popularity. Okay. So for those folks that aren't familiar with exactly what a syndication is, why don't you give us your definition of a syndication? Yeah. So the important part about investing in syndications is twofold. The first is rather than purchase one property, if I have $100,000, rather than buy one $100,000 property, I'll pull together my $100,000 with 10 other investors or so that each have $100,000. Cumulatively, we can buy into a much larger property than we would have been able to individually. But the key here is that when you do that, you're able to invest in commercial assets that are much more complicated. And those complexities lend itself so that your level of expertise, you have an operator, there's a huge discrepancy between a mom and pop owner and a best in class owner. Mm -hmm. That allows them to be compensated for the deal so that you can be just a passive investor, but they can make up for the fact that they're participating in the proceeds because they're bringing so much more to the table. And that's why I like syndications. Okay. So, you found out, it sounds like you found some really sharp mentors early on and they got you involved in the whole syndication idea. So, and now we understand a little bit about what a syndication is. It's pooling together your money together with some other investors and getting into a much bigger deal than you probably could any one of you on your own. All right. And then working with somebody who really knows what the heck they're doing. So is that what you continue to do? Are you, so where, where do you, where do you come in to the deal? Are you just a passive investor or are you creating syndications, finding investors and matching them up with operators? So when I started in the business, you know, I started to have success, just my own personal portfolio. And I started to realize other people don't have access to deals like this. Also, they don't really necessarily have expertise in real estate. So at the beginning, I was just a passive investor and I was helping other people invest in deals that were similar to mine. But once it established a track record, I realized there's an opportunity for a business to be created here. I have a highly curated list of of operating partners that I've joint ventured with over the years and I've invested with passively. And I have a due diligence process that's far above and beyond even what a savvy investor can create. And part of this is because of the economies of scale, especially as we start to scale the business, going from five investors to 10 to 100, now we have several hundred it allowed us to write large checks and those large checks provide us access to a much greater level of due diligence. You know, an operating partner is willing to take hundreds of hours to court us as a company and they wouldn't typically allow that for an investor investing 50 or even half a million dollars. So that's really how our business was created. And, you know, we've been able to joint venture with institutional level sponsors 
and leverage their expertise. And I can focus on the thing I like to do, which is communicate with investors, raise capital. And it's a really good symbiotic relationship like that. Yeah, no, that sounds very, very cool. So Andre, tell us a little bit, because a lot of people watching or listening to this podcast are probably at the stage where they're starting to want to work with investor partners, raise capital perhaps for their own deals, but they don't have the faintest idea about how to go about doing that. So reach way back in your memory banks. And if you would, let's look back at those first two, three, four, five investor partners that you got on board with you. How did you find them? How did you present the opportunity to them? What, what does that process look like for you? Well, I'll, I'll tell a little bit of a story about kind of my first capital raise that I'll put things in perspective. This is not an easy job. Anyone that thinks that it's easy to raise capital hasn't raised a lot of capital. I mean, you can fall on your face pretty hard. Having said that, if you do it right, it can be the most lucrative, the most sought after, the most consistently needed skill in the entire real estate business. If you have the ability to consistently write seven-figure checks or eight-figure checks, you will always have a place in the commercial real estate world. It's unbelievable. And I think people are starting to get wind of that. Now, when I started in the business, like I said, I started investing from my own personal portfolio and built up a track record over a couple of years, realized that the investment thesis that I had in my mind at the time was really focused on the mobile home park business. Mm. It was working. And so I decided to kind of go out one sphere of influence away from my intimate, you know, friends and family, my immediate family, you know, like their cousins, their aunts, maybe their plus ones or plus twos. And I threw a luncheon only for accredited investors where I was going to talk about the mobile home park business and at the end there's going to be an opportunity to invest. I was very excited. 30 people came. There was at least $30 million of net worth in this place. My goal was to raise half a million dollars. And I agreed with my operating partner, don't worry, it's going to be no less than half a million. And he even allowed me to go up to a million at the time. So we had a lot of flexibility there. Um, was very knowledgeable about the asset class, was so excited about it. I mean, I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with why the mobile home park business is so compelling, but there's, in my opinion, there's just nothing like it. It's still really fascinating, but at the time, it was even more compelling. Went through all this, and then at the end, passed out a piece of paper where the investors could write down how much they're interested in investing and raised a total of zero dollars in a room of 30 million. Wow. So what happened? I was devastated. Yeah, I would have I mean, Basically, I'd already committed to be a real estate investor. I'd already committed to be an entrepreneur. I had told people that I was confident I was going to raise this half a million dollars. And I realized I had thought about this whole process incorrectly. You know, I thought about me going out to my doctor, going out to my aunt, going out to my cousin who owns a franchise and trying to convert them into real estate investors over a 30-minute luncheon. What I needed to do is create an infrastructure to attract the right investors build a scalable infrastructure that was able to nurture them through content creation, article creation, interviews that I had done so that I was getting people that were already along that same line of thinking. These people didn't care about investing in real estate. They weren't even interested in the mobile home park business, no matter what the returns you know, were. It's something I talk about in the book. If I came to you and said, look, I have an amazing deal on dairy cows. They're 40 cents on the dollar and they're twice as efficient as the normal dairy cows. It doesn't matter how good the deal is. You're not a dairy farmer, so you don't care. And that's exactly what was going on there. So that's what the book is about. It's reversing that flow. I don't want to go around hunting for investors. I want them to come to me. And the ones that come to me are going to take my business from those $25,000 investments to those half a million dollar investments. And that's exactly what's happened. 
Nice. All right. So a question I've got for you, so good, because again, a, a lot of, I'm up in Canada. A lot of our listeners are up in Canada. Things are a little different up here than in the States, but very similar. We've got, we've okay. got the securities commissions here. You've got the trade commission in the States. So how do you stay on the right side of that and not get into trouble and or jail? <laughs> yeah, no, that's a really good point. And it's interesting. So I'm not very well versed in the in Canadian law, but when it comes to the United States, there's so many nuances that it's just very, very challenging. I mean, one of the reasons the business is so lucrative is because a ton of people look at it and go, no, thanks. I'm going to go start an ice cream shop. I mean, anything besides dealing with the SEC in the United States. But Number one, always have a really good attorney, especially if you're going to put something on paper, like write a book. It has to be ironclad. For me, I'll give your listeners a little, little bit of advice. And this is just my perspective. I have found that there's two main ways to raise capital in terms of the offerings that you do. There's a 506B, which requires that you have a pre-existing relationship with someone prior to raising capital with them directly. And a 506C, which allows you to, quote, publicly solicit, you can actually talk about the details of a deal publicly, but there's an extra level of scrutiny, which requires that each investor have a third-party verification that they are, in fact, accredited. With the 506B, they can just knock a little box that says they are. Now, the difference between those two may seem insignificant, but from my perspective, especially because I have a podcast, I have become a huge advocate of the 506C thing. And I think that as the millennials start to be more comfortable investing in people that they've met over the internet, and as millennials start to become a higher percentage than become high net worth investors, I think that this third-party verification process is going to be very, very advantageous. And overcoming that hurdle, that third-party verification hurdle, is going to be smaller and smaller and smaller. So I'm a huge advocate of the 506C. And it's very, it's not very popular. So I think in five years, if I have the opportunity to come on this show at that time again, I think many more people will be on board with that. Right now, it only counts for about 7% of the business. I think that's going to invert over the next five years. Yeah, well, that makes a lot of sense. Okay, very, very, very cool, Hunter. So just out of curiosity, that very first luncheon that you put on sounded like it was going to be a home run. You got 30 people out there. So just, you know, how did you get 30 people out in a room to listen to you talk about mobile home parks in the first place? Yeah. I mean, that's interesting, right? Because it doesn't matter how many people are in the room, it's the wrong people in the room. And so, you know, just reaching out to family, friends, contacts, people that I knew that had a background in business, just savvy individuals that were accredited investors. I mean, this was a result of, I had about three months to market for this. So what I did was, and I use this app still to this day, Eventbrite to create an actual event and track RSVPs and handle communications. In my opinion, I did a pretty good job with all that stuff. And also, you know, I'm confident in my ability to communicate something I'm passionate about. It just makes the lack of results even more pronounced. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of sales, I have a background in being able to communicate. Cutco, I used to work for them when I was like in between high school and college. I, I led did that as well. That's a fantastic experience. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a really, it's really great. You make your own schedule, et cetera. But I just say that to say that I did have those skills. They just didn't, this is a different game. I'm not talking about selling $300 knives. I'm talking about give me a hundred grand for seven years. Yeah. And when you do that, you have to create that infrastructure. And like you know, as a host of a podcast, there's never been a better time to create a highly scalable, replicatable infrastructure of content so that people can learn about you without it requiring your time. And this requires so much less time of your own that it actually makes the business scalable. And for anyone that's interested in getting this space, 
if you just take the time to write 10 articles of well, whatever your business is about, the time that you take to write the articles will pay for itself just because going through the content creation process will solidify your ability to understand your own business so much so that even if no one ever read the articles, it's still a good way to spend your time. So I'm just a huge advocate of this. No, it sounds good. Hunter, time, speaking of time, we're running out of it on this very short interview. Time flies when you're having fun and especially when we're talking about raising capital. So fantastic information. Really appreciate that. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are going to want to find out more about you, what you do, and maybe how to get a hold of a copy of your book. So if they're interested in that, what would you like them to do? Well, first of all, I mean, thank you so much for allowing me to do this. You know, my the podcast medium has been very beneficial to me in my business, but it requires people like you allowing me to come on and share value and, and share content. So thank you again. You can find the book at raisingcapitalforrealestate.com. And if you shoot me an email at info at raisingcapitalforrealestate, I will send you some free goodies. I'll probably send you a, a webinar presentation that we did. I'll send you everything we've done with an attorney about the topic of raising capital, at least in America. And I'll send you some good stuff. Awesome. Highly recommend that if you're interested in raising capital, that you take Hunter up on his opportunity there. Hunter, thank you very much. And and I uh, really appreciate it. Look forward to having a chat with you. Hopefully we don't have to wait five years. I'm sure there's a lot more that we can dive into on another interview, but it's been a lot of fun and a pleasure meeting you as well. Yeah. Thanks again. I appreciate it. All right, everybody take care and we'll talk to you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, thanks very much for checking out the Property Profits podcast. And if you like what we're doing here, please head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. We very, very much appreciate it. And if you're looking to create a regular flow of inbound investor inquiries about your real estate deals, then I invite you to attend one of my upcoming live online demonstrations. And you can check that out at InvestorAttractionDemo.com. Take care.